0: This morning, we're going to be looking again at Isaiah 42. We're just going to be looking at verses 1 through 4. Uh, Our sermon series for Advent is on verses 1 through 9. We looked at all those verses together last week. This week, we'll focus in on the first four verses. I believe it's on page 602 of the Pew Bible, tucked into the pew there in front of you. Uh, I'm going to read for us if you would follow along. The Lord says this to his people through Isaiah. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, So, this morning, as we think about these first four verses, uh, we're going to be talking about this phrase. We're going to be talking about this truth that God communicates about Jesus, the advent of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, what he was chosen for to accomplish, to bring forth justice. And I know maybe when you think of Advent, justice is not the first word that jumps out at you, right? A lot of times we think of hope and peace and joy. And love, like these are the Advent words, thanks to the candles, Uh, and these are good words, right? Advent is about hope and peace and joy and love, but here in our text, in Isaiah 42, those Advent words don't actually show up. Now, by implication, they're here, but a word that shows up three times in four verses is justice. That the Advent, the coming of the chosen one, was for the purpose of justice. I came across this quote this week um, just really jumped out at me. I wanted to share it with you. Uh, So one author wrote this uh, uh, in an article about Advent and about justice. The promise of Advent is the promise of public justice. Advent announces the coming of the Lord who breaks the arms of the sex traffickers, the drug lords, the arms dealers, and all their respectable collaborators. It's the hope that God will overturn worlds built on oppression and violence and will rescue and raise up their victims. Did you catch that first part? The promise of Advent is the promise of public justice. Now I know, and I, I know I'm not speaking in in and out of this cultural moment. This is a, a, a very charged moment that we live in, and I want to acknowledge that. Like the word of justice, the word justice, uh, it it resonates with us in different ways in different contexts. Uh, and it, it can be complicated, or at least it can feel complicated. So maybe for you, just the thought of talking about Advent and justice, not only does it feel complicated, but you might feel, even in this moment, like something uninvited is pressing in on your Christmas. Like, hey, hey, hey I, I didn't come here to talk about the same thing that CNN is talking about. I didn't come here to see the same, to talk about the same hashtag that's been, on, it's been at the forefront of Twitter for two and a half years. Like, I didn't come to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that at Christmas. Well, we have to talk about it. Because we're studying Isaiah 42 together, and the Advent is about the Advent of the one who will accomplish justice. Like, justice is at the forefront of God's plan for Advent. Because the promise of justice is a good promise. It's a promise for you. It's a promise for me. It's a promise for our good. It's a promise that brings us hope. It's a promise that brings us peace. It's a promise that should bring us joy because it's a promise born out of the love of God for us. And so this morning, we're going to spend a few minutes reflecting on this good promise, a promise of justice, and how that calls us to long for justice, and at the same time celebrate the grace of Jesus. Like right here in Isaiah 42, we are called to long for justice, but also celebrate the grace of Jesus. So let's talk first about longing for justice. And I'm going to give you a quick um, sort of history moment here, because we're sort of dropping, we sort of dropped in the middle of Isaiah. We haven't been studying Isaiah I'm not sure when the last time was you looked at Isaiah. Isaiah's long, and it's all prophecy, almost exclusively prophecy. We sort of cherry pick parts of it at Advent and cherry pick parts of it uh, around Easter. Nothing wrong with that. There's some really good texts uh, that help us to celebrate Advent and Easter. But I want to orient us a little bit as we talk about this text. So Isaiah was a prophet in the 8th century B.C., before the birth of Jesus. And he wrote for the first 39 chapters— of these oracles that Isaiah has given, he's primarily, not exclusively, but primarily speaking to his contemporaries, warning them and confronting them, confronting them about their sin and their idolatry, warning them that judgment is coming, an exile is coming, uh, a captivity is coming. But then he shifts gears in chapter 40, and he begins talking to those who will be reading his words while experiencing that exile in the 6th century B.C., As the ESV study Bible puts it, in chapter 40, Isaiah's tone changes from confrontation to assurance. He begins to talk to people already in the midst of this captivity, words not of confrontation, but words of assurance that God knows them, he cares for them, and he's coming to rescue them. And so the point for us as we think about this pulling Isaiah 42 in in front of us this morning is that for the original audience that that was intended, the original, not first-time readers, but the readers in captivity, they were experiencing personal injustice. Like, they were enslaved. They were captives that had been exiled into a foreign land. And one of the things I want us to at least acknowledge, like, for them, these words about justice would sound like good news. Whereas for many of us, it's not that it doesn't sound like good news, it just doesn't sound super poignant to us. And here's what I want us to wrestle with. Justice seems to matter more when you feel its absence. Like when you feel the absence of justice, you long for it. When you don't feel the absence of justice, it's not that you don't still desire it. It's not that you don't think it matters. It doesn't feel as personal for you. You and I need to understand that for God, it's always personal, which means for us, it needs to always be personal. When we see a lack of justice, we need to feel the way that God feels about that lack of justice. So a few quick truths, as we look at this text together, that can help shape our hearts and our thoughts this morning. You know, verses 1, 3, and 4, this is where we find God talking about justice. He says, behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Verse 3 at the end, he will faithfully bring forth justice. Verse 4, he'll not grow faint or be discouraged till he's established justice in the earth. So, Right out of the gate, we know that our God cares about justice. He always has, and he always will. And just to give you a few more texts, we we just finished talking about Amos and uh, and Joel. In Amos chapter 5, he says, Let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Proverbs 21, verse 3, To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Verse 15, When justice is done, it's a joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. Isaiah one eight for I the Lord love justice. Psalm three five He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Psalm 37:28 For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. Psalm 106: Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times and it continues. That's just a smattering of the verses. This is foundational for us. Like our God he loves justice. He's for justice. God is not agenda-driven, he is justice-driven. And because he loves justice and is pursuing justice, necessarily connected to that is he wants us to care about justice. But if we minimize his love for justice, it's going to undermine any kind of motivation you and I have to be passionate about justice. But our God wants us to care about justice. And before it was in the Auburn Creed, it was actually coming from the mouth of the Lord in Micah 6.8. When God says, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So doing justice is something that God does, and it's something that he calls us to be a part of. He wants us to be partnered with him in doing justice. So God cares about justice, he wants us to care about justice, and we need to understand that to long for justice, like the people who are receiving this in captivity, they long for this promise to be fulfilled. They long for this chosen one to come and bring justice because it's always good. It's truly good. You know, when we prayed the Lord's Prayer, if you've been reading the FPO Bible reading plan with us back, I think it was on maybe Tuesday of this week, we were reading on the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives the, uh, the Lord's Prayer to his disciples, to his hearers, so they can know how to pray. When we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying for justice. We're praying that God's kingdom, his rule, would be felt and experienced here like it is in heaven, and heaven is a fully just place, and the new heavens and the new earth are going to be a fully just place, and we're asking him to do that work here. We're longing for a more full experience of his good rule here and now. Because justice is always good. Agendas are not. Agendas are not always good. And all too often, especially in this cultural moment, I think we've let justice and agendas get too intertwined. And we need to be, wi- be able to parse out where is an issue of justice separate from an issue of agenda. Because everyone's got an agenda. Every platform has an agenda. Every political persuasion has an agenda every social organization has an agenda i'm not saying it's wrong to have an agenda agendas are like goals but what matters is what is the goal what is the agenda we need to be able to pull the agenda out and talk about and be passionate about issues of justice so i want to think about the month of november that we just came through we watched we got to watch from afar two very high profile uh, legal cases that had two very different outcomes arguably justice was done in both But outcry showed up in both as well, and outrage showed up in both as well, and it felt complicated for us. Right after Thanksgiving, articles about drug cartels hanging dead bodies, murder victims from bypasses, not too far from the American border. Just this past week, another school shooting, like issues of justice. November was a month that made us either long for justice or feel overwhelmed by a lack of justice, or feel just disenchanted because we don't know where justice really lies. And I want to just share a few thoughts with you. One is I'm worried for our hearts, that our hearts are not responding tenderly to injustice. Like God responds tenderly and passionately to injustice. Some of us see injustice and we feel ashamed that we're not doing enough. Like I see it, and I feel ashamed. I've I see on Facebook or I see on Twitter my my friends who are part of this organization or that organization or they're doing this or doing that. I'm not doing enough, and so we feel shame because we don't feel like we're doing enough for justice. But some of us are at the other end of the spectrum, and we see calls for justice, and all we hear is the agenda. All we see is the agenda, and we're writing off injustice because we're so overwhelmed. Maybe overwhelmed is the wrong word. We're so frustrated with agenda, and I get frustration with agenda but you cannot throw out justice because of frustration. And I want you to see that both of these are unhealthy ends of the spectrum. It is unhealthy for you to assume that every, every instance of injustice is something that you can do something about. You cannot. You cannot feel shame that you're not involved in every, every aspect of the pursuit of justice. But you also can't be at the other end of the spectrum and say, there's no use pursuing it because it's all agenda-driven. We can't do that, we can't be at either extreme. Because tender hearts always care about justice. There's a great book that Kevin DeYoung wrote. He wrote it a few years ago. That's really short too, which is also great. It's called Crazy Busy. And in that book, he says this. We can't do something about everything, but we can care. You and I can care about injustice, but also acknowledge that we can't do something about all injustice. We're part of a family, and that family can be involved in so many areas, like the family, God's family, can be involved in all areas of injustice without you being involved in all areas directly. That's one of the beauties of God's expanding kingdom family. There should be no injustice that the church is not actively involved in addressing, but it doesn't mean every church member is involved in every single avenue for addressing injustice. But it doesn't mean that we can be indifferent about any injustice. Caring is emulating God's heart. Finding specifically where God has gifted and placed you, and even if you don't feel gifted, where he's placed you to do justice, like it says in Micah. You and I have opportunities to do justice, not about everything, but about something. We can can care about everything, and we can look to be faithful about doing the something that God has placed in front of us and so I want us brothers and sisters to truly care about justice but also see that there's unique areas that we can do something and not feel shame that we're not doing enough when we're doing justice whatever avenue that may look like we're following the Lord's leading we're following his kingship and as we care about justice that we cannot necessarily personally touch we are still resonating with his heart on this issue now secondly I got to move pretty quickly not only do we want to long for justice, just like the people in exile were longing for justice, we also want to celebrate Jesus and the grace of Jesus. A couple quick thoughts for you here. Without the gospel, justice is just a terrifying thought for us. If there is no gospel, then, then justice is good news for God only. It's not good news for us. But remember, as we think about this, let's first just talk about the fact that, that God is a God of justice. We're told in Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned and fall, fall short of the glory of God. And we're told in Romans chapter one, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So justice as sinners is just a sobering concept because if it's not for the gospel, then we all just stand condemned, rightfully so. But because of the gospel, justice can humble us but also fuel in us a celebration of grace. Because if you take Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and you stop there, you know the bad news, but you don't know the good news. And the good news of the gospel follows. This is Romans 3.23 through 26. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The good news of the gospel is that God does care about justice and he accomplishes it. And he does that graciously, meaning that he gave a substitute for you and me to pay the price of justice for us. We just had the Ulster books come up and read to us about peace and talk to us about peace. Do you know how we have peace with God? Through the shed blood of Jesus. That's how you and I have peace with God. It's the only way for us to have peace with him. It's the only way that God can be both just, disciplining and punishing and paying for every single sin. Every sin has to be paid for. But he can also be the justifier. There's no double jeopardy for us. By his grace, peace is accomplished for us so it can be experienced by us. This chosen servant Jesus, as it says in verse 4, he did not grow faint or discouraged in satisfying the justice that you and I are due. He came to bring justice and accomplish justice, and that was twofold. There's a sense in which Jesus came at, at Advent, his first coming, So that he could live a life that could be leveraged for you and me so that the justice that we were due could be satisfied on the cross. But we also long for his second coming when he will bring the full experience of justice to every single corner of the earth. Every bit of experience. So it's an already and a not yet of justice. Advent came to make us right with God. Advent being the coming of Jesus as a baby so that he could live a life that could be credited as a perfect sacrifice for you and me so that God could be just dealing with our sin, but also the justifier by declaring us right with him. As we think about this good news of the gospel, uh, I want you and I to wrestle with, you know, the fact that that we might resist justice. We don't like to say that, but the resistance that we feel when justice comes up in conversation, it's because we know our own hearts. I mean, you may be afraid of justice because you know what's going on in your own heart. You know how selfish you are. You know how you want justice for you, but you also want to, pr- to protect what you have, and you don't want it to come at the cost. Like, your own heart says, I want justice for me, but I don't want to lose whatever I might have to lose if it's going to be justice for everyone. I mean, that's a, that's a hard thing to wrestle with in our hearts, but our hearts are selfish. And so sometimes we resist the thought of justice because we're afraid of how it exposes our own hearts. Or maybe you feel too broken or hypocritical to be one who's like longing for justice. Like you just know your own story. And you're like, if people knew what I'm really like, if they knew what I've done, they would just cancel me. I can't put myself out there championing something that actually my broken story shows has not been a passion of mine. If you feel these things, I feel them too. I feel them personally, but our longing for justice is not because we've been just, it's because we've been justified. We long for justice because we have been recipients of grace, and our longing is that more people will be recipients of the grace that sees justice satisfied for them on the cross. But we also long for justice no matter what, because that's what our God longs for. We've been rescued and redeemed, not so we can shrug off injustice, but so that justice satisfied for me will make me a champion of justice and a champion of grace. You've been freed into that, and so have you if you're a follower of Jesus. So when we think about Advent, at Advent, God looked down on a world full of injustice and selfish, hard-hearted men, and he sent his beloved son to bring justice while satisfying justice. That's what he did at Advent. He sent his son to bring justice and to satisfy justice. And so this Advent, I want us to long for justice and celebrate the grace of God that's accomplishing justice through redemption. And we're about to come to the table together on this Advent Sunday, and we're going to talk again about Romans three twenty-three through 26, because as we come to the table, we're celebrating what God sent Jesus to accomplish, the giving of himself to satisfy justice and justify God's children. Father, thanks so much for some time for us to reflect on these things together, to wrestle with them. And Lord, we, we confess that justice, justice is not the first thing that comes to our minds when we think about Advent. And we also confess to you that in some ways we're tired and justice feels overwhelming or frustrating. And yet we know that it, it's your heart that longs and desires and is accomplishing justice. And we thank you that without fear we can long for it because we know that there is grace for those who stand condemned. And so we pray that you will make us champions of grace even as we also care and long for justice. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the way the gospel convicts us but also picks us back up, dusts us off, and pulls us close to you. We pray that we will feel close to you this very day. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.